Well, thank you so much, choir, for blessing our heart with that. I, I asked Brother Terry if they would sing that song this morning. I appreciate choir doing that. That's one of my favorite songs. Such a message in that song, especially in what I have to share and what God would have us to hear this morning. <clears throat> if you brought your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 23. We have several passages that I'm going to be referring to. If you would, jot those down. Uh, we may have them on the screen for you, but uh, we'll be looking at several passages. But this is going to be our text in Luke chapter 23, and uh, we'll look at verse 33 and perhaps uh, uh, 33 and following. Let's go ahead and we'll just uh, we'll read that those entire passages. I have a lot to say, so I may talk fast. You'll have to listen fast this morning. Because there's a lot I have to say and a lot we need to do. And so I want to make sure we, we get it all in. We have people that will be listening to our service by radio and then watching on TV. And I want them to be able to hear all of it before we go off the air. And so if you would, find Luke chapter 23 and let's begin reading with verse 33. The Bible says, God's word says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, the thieves, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, and they cast lots. They gambled for the lots of Jesus, or the clothes of Jesus. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him. So you got the rulers, you got the rabbis, the scribes, Pharisees. Now you got the soldiers mocking him. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. And saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over, uh, over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him. The other three thieves said, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly. In other words, we deserve what's coming to us. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. It means he died. Now, you may be aware that on the Christian calendar today, this is referred to as Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he was received well by the people as their king. Uh, they waved palm branches in front of him and laid palm branches and also their clothing, their jackets, their garments in his path. They received him as an earthly king. 
and they led him with these palm branches and laid them down before them and they waved him. And as doing so, they began to proclaim, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Matthew 21, verse 9. However, by Friday, this same crowd that were chanting and praising Jesus, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, this same crowd, this same bunch, they were chanting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So today's Palm Sunday, but also today also begins the passion of Christ, the suffering of Christ. A week of humiliation, a week of suffering, a week of pain, a week of torture, uh, 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 the crucifixion, and eventually death. Now next Sunday morning, as we gather to worship, we're going to come together in celebration. We're going to celebrate at 7 o'clock, have a sunrise service. I hope you'll be able to be here. We're going to have a breakfast fellowship afterwards. 7 o'clock, we'll be finished up by 8 o'clock. You'll be able to be back here at, uh, at 9.45, and then we'll have our Bible fellowship, and then we'll have a worship celebration as we celebrate the resurrection at a regular time at 11 o'clock. However, today, God would have us to remember the crucifixion, but much more than that, he wants us to remember the brutality of the crucifixion, the brutality. Now, most of you perhaps viewed Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of Christ. Now, the crucifixion in that movie was portrayed so brutally that it stunned the entire world. However, when you turn to the New Testament and you you'll be surprised to find very little detail about the crucifixion. Uh, Luke is a physician here uh, that, that uh, is in Luke, mentioned here. He's a physician. Uh, he, he goes into great detail at one point describing the virgin birth of Jesus, but he doesn't say that much in detail about the crucifixion. Mel Gibson took the gospel account and he added the historical facts and by doing that he gave, some, he gave us a, a brutal description of the crucifixion of the Lord. Gibson tried to bring to our senses, if you will, our understanding just how much Jesus suffered when he died on the cross for your sins and my sins and for the sins of the world. Gibson tells, in part, many biblical facts about the crucifixion. However, he begins to go from those facts and he begins to add some of his own church tradition that you don't find in the Bible. So not all of his movie is factual truth although some of it is, quite a bit of it is. But some things are not included in the Bible about the crucifixion, such as the blood, the water that came from the side of Christ comes as a mist or a waterfall. That's not in the Bible. Or when he had the bird pricking out the eyes of the thief that was on the cross, that's not in the Bible. However, the biblical account and the factual historical account of the crucifixion leads us to conclude 
that it was a very, very brutal death. It was very brutal. And so today, in preparing this, I've asked the Lord to to teach us as we read and as we think and as He speaks to our heart through the Holy Spirit to paint a picture in our minds so we might get a glimpse of what Jesus actually went through during the crucifixion. And so... This morning, I want to share with you as we remember the brutality of the crucifixion. The brutality. First of all, we must see the emotional brutality. So if you're jotting down notes, just put Roman numeral 1, the emotional brutality. Now, emotional brutality can be one of the most serious forms of brutality. Uh, Just ask someone who has suffered sexual abuse. And they'll tell you what type of emotional uh, brutality they have. Speak to someone who has suffered physical abuse. Speak to a warrior or soldier who's returned from war and is suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. You'll realize what emotional brutality is. So see, it's not only possible to be injured by the body and body physically, but also it's possibly, uh, possible to be injured in your spirit, in your, in your emotions, in your psyche. Therefore, when you listen to the words and the insults that were held upon Jesus, slung upon Jesus, preparing him for the crucifixion, you must realize that that must have been a very emotional time for him. Emotional brutality. It started with the rabbis, religious people, religious leaders. Can you imagine? Someone about to be put to death, and they're, they're slinging out slurs to Jesus. So it started at his trial. These religious leaders at the trial slapping him in the face, spitting in his face. Imagine that. But they were religious. Religious. Some of the hardest people that you'll ever try to lead to Jesus are religious people. Religious. I'm religious. Do you know Jesus? No, but I'm religious. You see, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship between a person and this other person by the name of Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. And it's hard for a religious person to come to grips. Nicodemus had trouble with it. The rich young ruler had trouble with it. These rabbis were having trouble with it. It's hard to lead a a very religious person to Christ. But then, on the other hand, there are a number of people who think they're they're too bad to go to heaven. But at the same time, there are a great number who think they're too good to be saved. So these rabbis followed after him from the trial to the cross, shouting at him, come down from the cross. If you be Christ, save yourself. Save us. You see, it it was not that he could not come down. It was that he would not come down from the cross. That's a big difference. Wounded by emotional brutality by the rabbis. Wounded from emotional brutality by the soldiers that helped with the crucifixion. Brut- brutally 
emotionally screamed and hollered at the Lord from the trial to the cross, mocked him, have a placed a crown of thorns on him, disrobed him, took all of his clothes off, put a crown of thorns on his head, mocked him, accused him of being a king, and every king needs a crown, and every king needs a robe, and so they mocked him. So the soldiers mocked him. But then you had a rabble crowd. The rabble crowd, the crowd that passed by mocked him. Listen, if you will, to Mark chapter 15. Mark 15, verse 29. Jot this scripture down. And they that passed by railed on him, ragging their heads, and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it up in three days, save yourself. So the rabble crowd mocked him. People, you know, people in large groups can be, be very brutal. You can, you can ask students in elementary school about bullying. You can ask students in high school about bullying. You can ask, you can ask grown-ups in a, at the workplace about bullying. You can ask people in a Baptist church about bullying. People in large crowds can be bullies. I mean, they can, uh, they can cause emotional distress. People in large crowds can be very, very brutal. Notice this crowd reminds us who was present that day. The sign that was written in Greek and Hebrew and Latin reminds us that the whole world was there. Greek and Hebrew and Latin. Everyone represented. Everyone in the world was there. Years ago we sang a song. And it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to a tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there? I heard of a preacher one night, went to bed thinking about the crucifixion, and all of a sudden he had this dream, and during this dream he was... Um, uh, he was witnessing the crucifixion in this dream, and he saw the Roman soldier, and they had Jesus' feet, and they had him crossed, and this soldier was driving the spike through his, through his ankle, I mean, through his leg. And so he runs over to stop this soldier, and the soldier looks up, and this preacher saw his own face in the face of that soldier. You and I were present that day. When Jesus was nailed to the cross. Emotional brutality. But then there's physical brutality of the crucifixion. You have the passion. You have the suffering. Jesus started in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you remember where he prayed so fervently. That he sweat drops of blood. And then you have the trial. You have the, the beating and the slapping in the face. Perhaps. His eyes were uh, uh, swollen shut. But you can imagine what he must have looked at. Anyone being in a fight knows how, how hard it is to be hit with your fist. Je they hit Jesus with their fist. We're told that if you hit a person hard enough with their fist, you can crush their bottom teeth into their upper teeth. He went through all of this. 
scourged, whipped with a cat of nine tails, his back was bleeding, back was ripped and shredded. And then a crossbar, a crossbar was placed on his back. We're told that that crossbar weighed perhaps it was somewhat like a cross tie, and it was between 125 and 200 pounds. 125 and 150 pounds, one person said. And so by the time he got to Calvary, he was perhaps unrecognizable, covered with dust, covered with dried blood, and covered with fresh blood, face swollen, crown of thorns, you get the picture, stripped of his clothing, back shredded from being whipped with a cat of nine tails, little pieces of glass and, and uh, steel, metal pieces. Then they laid him on the cross, and they took a little seven-inch nail, five to five-inch to a seven-inch nail spike, and they drove it into his hands and to his feet. This this little nail, you may have, you may get one today. It was much larger than this, but it was kind of shaped like this. It was a little spike nail, had a had a square top, not like the nails that we use today. And they crucified him, and then they hoisted him up. They lifted him up. Picture details that in some degree there. Uh, it's on my left. You can see him being hoisted up. So they hoisted him up, and where he would breathe, where he could breathe, he would push up on his legs. And by pushing up on his legs, he was able to breathe. But, but the problem was he could breathe, but at the same time, remember his back, he would be raising up and down on that back that had been scurried. And while he could breathe, he uttered out those seven words that we remember so well. Simply, only time he could talk. That's how we have the words of Jesus that come from the cross that day. And for six hours, Jesus was in that condition on the cross. But John 19, John 19, let me share with you verse 32. John 19, verse 32 says, Then came the soldiers, and they break the legs of the first and the other which was crucified with him. So the soldiers came to break the legs. And the ideal, they took a wooden mallet, and they would break the legs of those being crucified where they couldn't lift themselves up. And so therefore they would, they would smother to death. But when they got to Jesus, they came to, to the thieves to finish them off, and they broke the legs of the thieves with this wooden mallet to keep them from raising up to breathe. But when they came to the Lord, he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs and break his bones. And they just thought they were, they just thought that they were just doing something that they'd always done. But when they came to Jesus, they didn't break their, his bones. But they didn't know they were fulfilling Scripture a thousand years before that. Psalm 34. Verse 20 says, He keepeth all his bones, and not one of them is broken. So a thousand years it was prophesied that his bones would not be broken. Isn't that amazing? And then a soldier, just to make sure he was dead, took a spear and, and pierced his side. In Zechariah 12, Zechariah 12, let me see if I have that one. Have Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, verse 10 says this, and I'll pour upon them the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in the bitterness for him 
as one that is in the bitterness of his firstborn. And there again prophesied that his, he would be pierced. My goodness, prophecy being fulfilled. And so, and I like what Jerry Vine said. Jerry Vine said in regards to this, the spear of hate thrust into his side was kissed by the love of God as it met. The brutality of a man said, I'll pierce him, but the love of God says, I'll forgive him. My goodness. The point is, the cross today is the greatest manifestation of love the world has ever seen. You know, you used to get those little dandelions and, and you have a girlfriend and, or they'd have a boyfriend and they'd, they'd pull those dandelions and say, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. I tried that with Judy and it, and it worked. I rigged it though. I fixed it where it would end on she'd love me. But you know what? When Jesus died on Calvary, every drop of blood said, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. There was never I love you not. When we look at the cross, we see the emotional brutality, we see the physical brutality, and let me hurry, we see the spiritual brutality. Now, from noon to three, darkness came over the face of the earth. Supernatural darkness. Never happened before. Came over the face of the earth. Covered the cross. It was like God draped a funeral drape over the cross where mankind really could not see Jesus die. Where no man could witness the death of Jesus. But he was spiritually wounded. He was divinely wounded. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53. Listen, if you will, at verse 10. It says this. Yet it pleased the Lord, it pleased God, to bruise him, to wound him. He hath put him to grief. Who had? God had. He had put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Yet, notice verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Bible says there was divine wounding on that cross. It was God, literally, who put him on the cross. People say, well, who, who's the blame for crucifying Jesus? And some say, well, the Jews were the blame. Well, no more than you and I were the blame. Some say, well, the Roman soldiers were the blame. Well, no more than you and me were the blame. Ultimately, when you, all boil it, when you boil it all down, the one who put Jesus on the cross was none other than the Heavenly Father. It was God himself. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Didn't mean he enjoyed it. mean he endured it. The Bible says he was doing it for our sins. The point is, do you remember the words that you spoke this past week? Do you remember the words of hatred you spoke, perhaps, or the words of hostility you spoke? Do you remember the words of profanity you spoke? God wounded Jesus 
on the cross for those words. Do you remember the thoughts that you had this past week? Do you remember the vulgar thoughts you had or the the vindictive thoughts and you kept them buried deep in your mind, deep in the recesses of your mind and you think no one knows about it and as far as you know, no one knows but God Almighty knows but you have them buried way down deep in your mind. Jesus died on the cross for those thoughts. Do you remember the deeds that you did this week? Maybe in school you cheated on a test. Or perhaps as an adult you cheated on your taxes. It's coming up that time of the year. Or maybe for whatever reason you made a bad business deal and you cheated someone in a, in a business deal, a, a crooked business deal. God wounded Jesus on the cross for those sins. It pleased God to wound him. You sang that a few minutes ago, Terry, in the song, Nailed to the Cross. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. You have the spiritual, the spiritual brutality. You have the divine wounding. And you have the divine withdrawal. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Listen at verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, when Jesus was made sin, that's what the scripture says, for he hath made him sin to be sin for us. Jesus was sinless. But God made, how did he make him sin? The entire world's sin was placed upon Jesus. When Jesus was made sin, and God could not look upon sin, and so God turned away from his own son. And so the point is, Jesus withstood the brutality of being abandoned by God. Why was that? In order that the wrath of God might be poured out on him instead of you and instead of me. Isaiah 53, verse 6, simply says, All of us are like sheep. We've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Friend, this morning, you have a divine withdrawal there at Calvary. And at the time the sin of mankind was laid, at the time the sin of mankind was laid upon Jesus, all the divine wrath of God against sin was poured out on Jesus. And that's the ultimate brutality of the cross. You have the divine wound and the divine withdrawal, and then you have the divine work. Jot that down. Now, some of you, I don't know what all of you do, but some of you have pretty tough jobs, and some of you work hard, and you sweat, and you get dirty. And you know what that's like. You get physically dirty, tough Tough jobs. The point is, there's never been any work as brutal as the work that Jesus did on the cross paying for mankind's sin. He tops it all. And when Jesus said, it is finished, it meant the work was done. Everything was done necessary for you and for me to go to heaven. Have a little bracelet on. Some of you have these celestia. It's finished. 
just to remind me the work was done. As far as Jesus is concerned, it's over with. It's done. It's nothing you can do. Don't try to be any better. It was done at Calvary. It was all done. Now today, in closing, you have a choice to make. Here's the choice. You have to decide where you want your sins to be and where you want God's wrath to fall. Let me say that again. It's too important not for you to understand it. Today you have a choice to make. The choice is you have to decide where you want your sins to be and where you want God's wrath to fall. John chapter 3, verse 36. John 3, verse 36. Simply says, let me find it right here. Make sure I read it correctly. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but notice, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So you have to decide where you want your sins to be and where you want God's wrath to be. It's real simple. If you've never been saved, God's wrath is on you. It's on you. It's on you right now. It's on you. But when Jesus died on the cross, God's wrath, now listen, was poured out on him. And so God's wrath was poured on Jesus, and if you reject Christ, God's wrath is on you. So you have to decide today where your sins are and where you want God's wrath to be. If you're under the wrath of God this morning, what can you do about that? It's real simple. You run to the cross as fast as you can. That's what you do. Because if you die in your sin, you die under the wrath of God. But if you run to the cross, Jesus has already experienced that wrath for you. And you won't have to experience it yourself. And so when you get to the cross, you get to where the wrath has been poured out. And you simply say this, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. And I'm tired of fooling myself about it. And the Holy Spirit's convicted me about it today. And I'm running to the cross where the wrath's been poured out. And I want to trust Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. And today I surrender my heart. I turn from my sin. I turn to Jesus. I place my faith and trust in Him, what He did at Calvary. And how He removed the wrath and how he promises to remove the wrath from my life. And I give you my life, and I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we've had just to come into your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the brutality of the crucifixion, the emotional brutality, the physical brutality, the spiritual brutality. And so now I pray for every person here.
as decisions are being made. And Lord, as you speak to people's heart, that they'll follow your spirit's leading in their heart and their life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning.